Climbing Gold is a production of Duct Tape and Beer, with support from the North Face. Never stop exploring. Dr. Squatch, get dirty, stay clean. Chorus, explore perfection. An element, restoring health through hydration. Hey everyone, thanks for another great season of Climbing Gold. Alex is off in Greenland doing Alex things, but before he left, we both had a chance to sit down and gather up our thoughts on this season on risk and formulate a few takeaways, five to be precise. We appreciated all the feedback and perspectives you sent our way. This obviously produced a lot of thoughts. There's so many ways to look at the topic of risk, whether it's someone like Michelle Wooker, who's looked at it from an institutional systems level and formulated the concept of the gray rhino. The world of finance or insurance has whole quantitative divisions dedicated to managing or capitalizing on risk. There are bookstore shelves dedicated to the risk we take in work, life, and love, and you can look at it even from a strictly mathematical level. Shout out to the listener who pointed out that on a statistical level, more exposure to risk doesn't change the odds. The chances of drawing the ace of spades out of a deck of cards will always be one out of 52, whether it's the first time you play or the hundredth. That's true. But climbing isn't a game. No one can say for certainty how many cards are in the metaphorical deck. It's not an investment strategy. There's no simple way to hedge. It's a deeply personal thing. There's always just a little bit of the unknown in climbing and in life. And that's what makes it powerful. And like Steve House said in our last episode, it's our job to make it through. All of us are figuring it out. And that's why the risks we choose to take are worth talking about. Let's dive in. Number one. Life-or-death risks don't scale well because you only have one life. What do you mean by that? If you're like, well, you know, I can get away with this this time. But if you think if 100 or 1,000 people all tried to do that same thing and, you know, 10 or 15 of them would die, you're kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I'm actually a little closer to the edge than I think I am. Even though in that one moment, you're like pretty sure you can get away with it. But if you multiply it out by 100 or 1,000, you're like, you know, I don't know if I'd get away with it every time. And the reality is that since we take these risks day in and day out for years on end, you know, you're just not sure you're going to always get away with them. One of the things that I that struck me too when I was researching this um, season was I came across this this thinking about how to invest in like the bond market, which I'm not a finance person, but it was just like interesting. It's called the barbell uh, approach, where basically you don't do anything moderately risky. You only do stuff that's like very risky and things that are very safe. So it sort of creates this like barbell where there's nothing in the middle. And Mm. the risky stuff you do, you only do, you know, you only buy 15% risky stuff. And then everything else is super safe, like government bonds, municipal bonds, things that are like, don't pay that much. But the other 15 is like where you might be able to, you're going to lose a lot of money there or you're going to make a lot of money. And that's okay because like you're 85% good. And it does like, I almost see that in your life where you go sport climbing like most of the time and then occasionally you step out. And I guess like, do you see it that way? Yeah, I could actually, I mean, that that certainly resonates. 
the barbell approach. I'm like, yeah, where most of your life is pretty much stable. Everything's all, all chill. You're not really taking that much risk. And then the 15% is very high risk. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's basically how I live. Yeah. But I mean, I think that the key thing there is that the things that you're doing that are high risk are by choice. You're choosing your risks and you're making sure that you're, you're taking the right ones that you want. Yeah. And in truth, that approach still comes back to the fact that you only have one life and you can't like lose just part of your life. <laughs> like, like it's kind of binary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's, I think that's the whole challenge of evaluating life or death risks is that, you know, statistics and things all don't, you know, they don't mean as much if the consequences are sort of infinite. Like if, if death is on the line, you're like, well, even if it's a really, really small chance that anything's going to happen, that's still significant because you could die. You know, I mean, I think that's part of the challenge of evaluating risk as a climber. People who are actually going all in all the time lose. You know, it's like, I mean, gamblers, like professional poker players are making money incrementally. You know, basically it's just a slow and steady grind, like an odds game. They're just like, as long as they make a little bit more than they lose all the time, they're making a living, you know, and they just kind of grind away at it and like keep trying to make money where they can. You know, it's not like big showy, like, I mean, it's basically like a job. They're just working at it. Number two, equations for risk fall apart in complex terrain. So we started with an equation in the first episode of this season. Uh, will you just remind us about that? We started with the equation that risk equals the probability of an event times the consequences of that potential event. So the the chance of something happening times how serious it would be if that happens. So the challenge with complex terrain is that it's very difficult to put any kind of realistic number on the, the likelihood of something happening because by definition, it's a chaotic, random environment. Yeah, and there's like too many things that could happen, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean you're sort of compounding tons and tons of low likelihood events. And when we say complex terrain, we mean giant mountainsides or like huge faces, things where, you know, a rock might fall thousands of feet above you and trigger a small wet slab slide, you know, basically snow might go over some edge and trigger something else. And, you know, it's basically this chaotic environment where tons of things, it's the classic, you know, if a butterfly flaps its wings and it causes a hurricane around the world. It's like with a big enough face, you know, the sun could hit the other side of the mountain and trigger a Serac, you know, falling off, which starts an avalanche, which break, you know, it's like basically things happen on faces that, that in some regard are predictable in that they're natural events and they happen all the time. But there's so many different events like that that you can't really anticipate which one might happen on any given day. Yeah. Like, there's no way to put a, a like, you could be like, well, it's a one in a hundred chance. And you're like, there's just no way you can say that, right? Well, you might be able to put the one in a hundred chance on the Serac falling. But what about the Serac next to it? Or the cornice up higher? Or the slab below it? Or the rock fall on the two sides? Or the other gully? Or like, you know, the, the thing about it is that like, yeah, you might be able to quantify the risk for a few different parts of that face. But there's so many parts of the face that you're just for sure going to miss some. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be the few that you're like, oh, I didn't even realize that a cornice had formed on that other side because the wind has been coming out of the west for the last four days. Like, whoever would have thunk? You know, it's like it's those kind of unknown things that will get you. Yeah. How do you feel like is there a way to get to the stage where you feel good about those risks in that type of complex environment? <laughs> I was like, the easy way to feel good is to climb in. Uh, uncomplex environments, you know, to climb on like clean granite walls and be like, well, nothing's happening today. It's another sunny day in California. Yeah, you know, it's like, that's uh, that's kind of the trite answer. 
I guess the the only real thing you can do is try to remove as much complexity as possible. So remove variables, try to stay out of the sun, stay out of weather events, high wind. You know, it's like, I mean, you can at least minimize the complexity a little bit and try to stack the odds in your favor. And, and really, that's the essence of alpinism is constantly trying to, to mitigate risk where you can. But then I think even with as much mitigation as possible, you just have to maintain some humility and, and know that there are unknowns. You know, it's like you are going into the unknown. There are things that you just can't be positive about. Like you are taking a risk. You're not going to out-reason nature. You know, it's like things are just going to happen. You're going to, you know, and in retrospect, you're like, oh, maybe I could have seen that coming, but like, not really. You know, there are just too many things. Number three, if you want to do something difficult, be prepared to step out of your comfort zone. Preparation is key. Instantly, I think about the, the stories Lydia Brady told us. One of the interesting things with Lydia is seeing how hard aid climbing really helped influence her, her ascent of Everest or sort of hard you know, mountaineering in that the key aspect of difficult aid climbing is that every move that you make takes you further away from safety. The thing with hard aid is that psychologically and it's just so difficult because everything you're doing is taking you further and further away from safety and you know that it's only getting more extreme as you go and i think that that kind of psychological conditioning really helped when she got into the big mountains where she's literally stepping further and further away from safety you know it's like it's the same kind of psychological challenge that that she'd been preparing for for years and like i think sometimes we can can think about this like in terms of like 8,000 meter peaks or difficult big wall climbs, but like this kind of thinking applies to everything. Say you're a boulder, you know, you, you walk past some of those like big proud routes, like you don't want that to be your first time you climb that grade, right? Like I th- something I think they're called problems. Problems. If you're a boulder, yeah. You sorry, know. thank you. You don't, you don't want to uh, date, uh, aid, you know, date yourself there. <laughs> Like, we're just over the hill. That's probably more. You can be over the hill at forty-three. They're like, man, has has Fitz ever even bouldered? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, um, we just talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that for anything in rock climbing or alpinism or, or really any outdoor sports, it's like there there are always some objectives that both draw you in and, and repel you you know like like the big boulder problems where you're like wow that's an amazing line that's striking that's beautiful i'd love to climb that but then at the same time you're like oh geez that sure looks pretty scary and so you know whether that's a problem like jedi mind tricks and bishop which is a classic high ball v3 or maybe it's v4 i forget it's been a really long time i think it's a three but it's pretty daunting it's these little plates up a up a pretty big face like these nice little edges really beautiful it's a great problem but you wouldn't want it to be the first V3 of, that you've ever climbed. You know, it's like, or even the first one that you've done outside like that. You'd want to make sure that you have a pretty big pyramid built up to that, that you've done a lot of things like it, similar styles, similar heights, that you feel totally comfortable. And, and not to say that you couldn't do it as your first one, but it's going to be very character building that way. It's probably going to be mildly traumatic where you're like, it was so scary. And then you sit on top being like, oh my God, I survived. You know, like if you want to go up there and, and, and feel good as you do it, then you have to build up to it. And even if you prepare, you still might feel that way when you get to the top. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> totally. 
that's yeah i mean that's always the thing is that you can also prepare as much as you think you need and then do this difficult thing and find out that maybe you should have prepared a little bit more or that your preparation wasn't quite perfect and, and i mean that's the challenge of doing things that are new or difficult for you is that you never really know if you're perfectly prepared evaluating risk is a skill and you have to train that skill the same way you would train your fingers for rock climbing so you have to practice evaluating the the risks around you and, and managing the best you can like I couldn't walk up to the RuPaul face on Anga Parbat and properly evaluate it because I don't have nearly enough experience on alpine faces. Like I wouldn't even know what to look for. I would just look at it and be like, that looks like death. You have to build up to those kinds of things and you have to have the skills to properly evaluate the circumstances that you're in. I'm like, is there even a point to be made? Preparation dramatically improves outcomes. <laughs> but that's like true for everything in life. That's almost, so I mean, I guess it always bears repeating because you know, there's no harm in over preparing for things. But it's like, yeah, obviously, when you when you practice, when you prepare, you will do better. It's like studying for a test. It's like anything else in life. It's like if you practice, you'll you'll improve your outcomes. Number four, want to do something difficult? Surround yourself with people who can complement your skills or challenge your perspective. I mean, it, you know, it makes sense that if you're building a team, try to find people who round out the the skills of the team. Like find people who are good at the things that you're bad at. I mean, that's basically every single action movie ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, have you seen Ocean's 11 or Ocean's 12 or Ocean's 13? Each of them involve building a team. <laughs> Number five, ultimately, navigating risk is the act and the art of living. I love the, I love the quote that James McAfee used in, in the, the first episode. He, starts, like, he said, pushing the boat out to sort of describe like taking risks and and i was like oh that's such a such a good level like like that feeling of like i'm moving away from shore and i'm getting farther Mm -hmm. away and it's like oh i'm just out here and it's all good because i got this boat but i'm nowhere near shore and i think there's so many things there's so many times that that i feel that in my life not just in climbing and not you know not in adventure sports but just that reality of being like Oh shit, kind of far away from shore right now, you know, like, and, and that's, I don't know. I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten better with being comfortable with that. And I feel like it, it's such, I don't know. It, it's strange. I think a lot of times we'll try to avoid that feeling, but in the reality is like, that's where the opportunities are. That's where, um, the beauty in life is a lot of times too. Yeah, really, that's where life happens. I mean, that's where new things happen. That's where you learn things. I mean, that, that is life. It's like when, when you have your boat out and you're sailing new seas. A lot has uh, evolved in your world in the last few years. Um, you know, it's like clear that your passion for climbing has brought you so many, you know, awesome and random opportunities. And to me, you really look like you're just enjoying yourself with, with Sonny and Baby June. And it's all just come together. And I think... You know, there, there might be a, a lot of people that would look at the way your life is now and they would just be like, just just stop with the big risks. Like, and so I guess, like, why still solo? Like, why is it worth it to you to take some of those big risks still? Any given risk might not be worth it. But the overall structure and purpose and, and joy that it brings to my life of taking certain risks consistently by climbing consistently, I mean, that to me definitely is worth it. I mean, I've structured my entire life around climbing for 
20 years and the you know and i love the life that i've been living like the the travel the friends the community like everything about it has been great but it requires an inherent level of risk taking and and i'm fine with that because you know it's basically it's the life that i want to be living you know i'm still i just still love climbing i just like climbing big walls without a rope you know it's like what can you say i think though that when we talk about risk taking through this whole season one of the challenges is separating risk taking from sort of mortal risk taking because like with a lot of the climbing uh examples that we're using the the consequences are death you know like the the risk is very high because the consequences are so high that's not to say that you shouldn't take risk in life because a lot of the risk in life you know the consequences aren't death you know it's like like yeah you should definitely ask that person out like you should definitely should try changing jobs or like move to the other side of the country because there's better rock on the west coast you know <clears throat> you know things like that but um just throwing that out there for anybody uh, <laughs> you know but uh you know it's like yeah there are tons of risks that you definitely should take in life because they have the opportunity to enrich your life it's just that you know when we're talking to the most cutting edge alpinists on earth about risk taking, it's kind of a different level. You know, it's like they're talking about things where you're definitely going to die, and it's like those types of risks are so rare in in day to day life that in some ways it does a disservice to lump them both into the same bucket of like, oh well, risk taking. You're kind of like, yeah, well, some risks are great and they really improve your your life. Other risks need are a little heavier and need to be approached with with the proper respect. I think we can learn from something from those people, though, because they've spent so much time thinking about it. Yeah, no, I think we can learn from them for sure. I just think that that for the the casual listener, they shouldn't take any of those lessons as like, oh, I shouldn't take risks. They should just keep in mind that what they think of as risky is really different than what the most extreme albinists on earth think of as risky. And so, you know, just remember that the the risks are, are different scales. I don't know. I mean, when Will Gadd talks about risk, you're like, okay, that's like, that's fucking hardcore. You know, it's like, but when you're at the gym and someone's like, well, that's, that's kind of risky. And they're talking about like, you know, dropping out of college year early to, to start a startup or something. You're kind of like, yeah, it's different levels. You know, like, like you should definitely, like, if you're passionate about it, definitely drop out of school and start your company and see how it plays out. And if it doesn't work, you can finish college later, like whatever, you know, like that's not like, you're not going to die. So you should take the risk. Hey everyone, we'll be back in the fall with an all-new season. We'll have a multi-part series on the legend of Dope Lake and some other surprises for you. Should be pretty cool. Climbing Gold is a production of Duct Tape Than Beer. Alex Honnold is our host. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lauren Delaney Miller and me, Fitzcahal. Music by Brennan O'Connell. Big thanks to our entire production team this season. Anya, Miller, Evan Phillips, Austin Syadak, Matt Martin, and Lauren Delaney Miller. Thanks for joining us on this quest. And to our executive producers, Lisey Hendricks, Becca Cahal, and Ben Endy, and Jonathan Ratzek for making this all happen. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>